Welcome back, dear listener, to the life and times of Warwick's Farm. Well, spring has well and truly arrived at Warwick's Farm. The grass is growing, the buds are coming out, nests are being fashioned and the eggs are starting to be laid. And uh, it's nice to see the blue sky and the warm sunshine at last. In fact, I had my T-shirt on for the first time yesterday, which was a, which was quite nice. Um, we've had an interesting uh, few days with the with the changing season. We've, we've started to look at what we're doing with breeding and so forth, and we had a good long think about our our packers, our stud boys have uh, served, or well, most of us, most of them have served us well over the period. However, the years have gone by, and um, we've used them on the different females, and we're starting to ran out of options for them. So we decided just recently that uh, we might just update our our, um, our studs. So to that end, we uh, made an arrangement with another well, uh, well-regarded well breeder and we bought two of their stud alpacas. Uh, Casanova, who's, who was imported several years ago from Australia for uh, quite serious money, is an absolutely lovely boy who's um, created some absolutely gorgeous alpacas over his time. Well, he's uh, just about finished his services with the previous breeder, so we are able to get him at a good price, and he's now enhancing our paddocks. And along with him came uh, a young little fella called Charisma. Uh, Casanova's black and Charisma's white, and he has got the most stunning fleece. So we're expecting pretty wonderful things from the both of them in the next few years. But of course that leaves us with a, uh, a bit of a dilemma with our boys. Shiloh, Lucas and Earl. Shiloh, um, <laughs> he's, a, he's a, a lovely boy, he's a quite a large boy, but like all stud alpacas, they, um, they don't have a particularly pleasant life. The testosterone, as you probably remember from a previous chapter, is continually pulsing through them, and they tend to have two different modes. One's party with a girl mode, and the other's bring it on with a boy's mode. So they're anxious all the time, they're racing up and down the fence lines, trying to check out the girls and see what the other boys are doing. And um, when you compare them to the weathers, the castrated males across the paddock, who just cruise around the paddock, eating the grass, enjoying the sunshine, chilling out, just producing beautiful fibre, um, yeah, they have a much, much more pleasant life. So we decided, and it was all on the same day, so you can imagine the poor old boys, our boys, we decided on the day the new boys arrived, we would um, get our boys castrated and uh, hopefully the testosterone levels will drop considerably very shortly, and they can start to enjoy their um, a much more stress-free retirement. But uh, weathering, they call it weathering with alpacas when you castrate an alpaca. It's gilding with horses, weathering with sheep and alpacas. And um, being older animals, it's a bit more, not so much dangerous, but a bit more of a, a delicate operation, shall I say, than with the younger ones. So last Friday, the day the new studs arrived, we uh, got the boys put in their different pens, and uh, the vet duly arrived. And uh, two of us restrained the boys while the vet did her um, did her uh, creative work on their nether regions. Shiloh, not Shiloh actually, Shiloh. Is, is a large alpaca, and uh, he, he took it fairly well. But Lucas, a younger one, he was the one that uh, decided he wasn't really too impressed with what was happening with the new studs, and all of a sudden the vet arriving. Uh, so the vet gave them all a, 
a little local anaesthetic in the nether regions. But uh, Lucas needed a general anaesthetic to calm him down because he was pretty stressed after watching what had happened to Shiloh about 20 minutes earlier. And by the time we got back to him, having uh, finished with Earl, uh, he still was not ready. So uh, we had to give him a second general to, um, to get him fully relaxed and ready for action. So um, anyway, there, there, it was a couple of days ago now, they're now walking around the paddock a lot less, um, shall I say, more easily than they did initially. And uh, yeah, they're looking much, much happier. So in the next, uh, in the next few weeks, once all the testo- testosterone is drained away, they'll be able to join our weathers in the back paddock and, and enjoy a much, much nicer life. Uh, also along the lines of planning for the, for the upcoming season, we've decided uh, a little while ago that um, we needed to move on some of our turkeys. Well, you've heard the story about the geese. Well, the, we've got them down to the numbers now, but we had two, uh, two pairs of turkey that we don't, don't really require. So um, we finally managed to, uh, through Trade Me, which is New Zealand's version of eBay, uh, we finally managed to find someone to come and take one of the pairs over the weekend. Uh, so what we did at feeding time the night before, we managed to, because they're not the brightest of birds, we managed to entice them into one of the chicken coops and lock the door behind them so they were there nice and ready for the pick-up the following day. Um, they're going to a nice home, though. They're not, going, they're not going to someone who's going to fatten them up for Thanksgiving or Christmas. A young fit has taken them on, and he's going to put them on his late grandfather's farm that's, uh, that now belongs to his uncle because... Um, he wants to put it back to what it was in the old days when he was a young fella with the turkeys and the and the peacocks and the ducks and the geese and the and the and the chickens. So he wants to reclaim his uh, grandfather's um farm from the younger days so as a memorial to him, which I thought was quite nice. Uh, it was quite good too because we were able to talk him we mentioned peacocks and we were able to talk him into taking our surplus uh, male and female peacock too in a couple of weeks when he comes back. So that's that's the result. And later on that day, we've got um, so many free-range little uh, bantam roosters and hens running around from last season, um, which are very pleasing on the eye, but they do take a bit of feeding and they do get in the way. And of course, we're going to have a lot more coming up shortly with, uh, with the spring season and all the new eggs being laid. So fortunately, we're able to... Uh, in fact, we had a phone call recently. Somebody was looking for to take some. So she arrived yesterday afternoon, along with a friend who also took some and an order from her brother as well who wants some as well. So they ended up taking seven of them with um, promise to come back for another four or five, which is which is quite good. But the fun part of that was most of them were free-ranging. So these these two lovely ladies enjoyed quite, a, quite an entertaining um, 10 to 15 minutes as they watched me catching these free-ranging chickens running up and down Poultry Lane. Much to their uh, much to their delight, and and uh, well, fortunately, I didn't embarrass myself too much. I was uh, I was reasonably nimble, and um, with the judicious use of some wheat thrown in certain areas where they where they couldn't really see much with their peripheral vision, I managed to scoop most most of them up in reasonably good time. Anyway, that um, as you can probably tell, I'm I'm having to ad lib a lot more than um, I used to with these readings from. The, the book Canterbury Tales because I'm very fast running out of chapters I'm about to read you the second to last chapter Crafty Days 
I've got one more left, so I'll probably do 70% ad-libbing next time and read the chapter, and then I'll be flying solo, so bear with me. Uh, I'll begin today's reading. Crafty Days, Chapter 17. Elaine should really be writing this chapter, as she is the craft person par excellence of Warwick's farm, while I have to have written instructions on how to thread a needle. Not, thank goodness, that anyone has ever asked me to. Bearing in mind my obvious biased opinion, my wife is an absolute natural when it comes to things crafty. Give her a little time and no distractions and she'll very quickly master any new craft activity that appeals to her, often adding a little embellishments here or a simpler method there. Having a blend of crafts and animals at Warwick's farm has proved a perfect combination for our guests and visitors. Having seen all the creatures and marvelled at their fleeces, fibres and furs, it is fun showing our visitors what Elaine has done and they can potentially do with these raw materials. From carded, straight and ready for the spinning wheel, alpaca fibre, to knitting yarn, or the finished articles that in the barn vary from socks, scarves, gloves and hats, to waistcoats, throws, sweaters, cardigans and dresses, through to fluffy dice and filter jewellery, all in a range of colours and designs, often enhanced with needle felting. In our very early days, when things are even more financially stressful than they are now, Elaine decided that one income stream we could kick off immediately was craft classes. A little test of the market identified that quilt making was popular, and it wasn't long before Elaine had her first class booked in and ready for their patchwork quilters beginners class. Maybe it was booked a little too early, as Elaine and her enthusiasm to get things moving failed to remember that she was not an experienced quilter, and then had to quickly find a tutor to assist her in her initial classes. Every Wednesday evening for two and a half hours, the middle section of the barn became a feverish centre of quilting activity, with Elaine the most industrious student, soaking up all the new knowledge like a patchworking sponge. Olga, the tutor, was a rather large and jovial older lady from South Africa, whose close presence over the period became a little overbearing, and the students, a nice mix of young mothers and sprightly grandmothers, were happy to see the newly proficient Elaine take over proceedings in her own right after a few weeks. I would provide a little light relief as I prepared the teas and coffees and biscuits mid-session, along with an inspection of all the works in progress, offering any humorous observations along with words of encouragement and praise. The quality of the beginner's quilts to my uneducated eyes were excellent, while they all followed the same theme, for instance a row of country village shops, they were all stamped with their creator's personality with the different colours and shapes built into them. It wasn't long before someone suggested to Elaine, being a very experienced and accomplished spinner, that she might like to set up a spinner's group based in the barn. The humming of spinning wheels and the sound of happy chattering became the regular theme on Wednesday evenings, with the refreshments being supplied by yours truly. Alas, as we went into the winter months, with mounting bills adding up, Elaine found herself having to leave the warmth of home every night to attend to her new cleaning job. The spinner's group, now registered with Creative Fibre, continued on in the barn without her with it eventually getting so big it had to move to another venue. The combination of crafts and animals has also worked very well with another income stream that we have developed, and that is entertaining children during the school holidays as part of the Kids Fest programme, and also in conjunction with primary school outings. What is it that they say about working with children and animals? We've been lucky though, over the period, with the great majority of our events being very satisfying, though quite tiring, Sometimes afterwards we collapse in an exhausted heap and question whether it was all worth it for such a small financial return. 
before remembering that over the next few months we will hopefully pick up family tours and the occasional accommodation booking and sometimes sales of rabbits, guinea pigs, piglets and so on from our efforts. A very successful format Elaine put together for school visits involves origami, biscuit icing and a short animal tour. Dealing with large animal, <laughs> large animals, dealing with large numbers of children, we tend to apply the divide and conquer theory, and this was a perfect example of it. The group and the teachers were divided up into three groups. The first group went on an abridged farm tour with me, while one of our boys was conscripted to oversee the creative icing of the animal biscuits Elaine had baked, and Elaine taught the third group how to fold little baskets into shape from the paper they had been colouring in. When I returned with the first group, the second group was waiting for me, and everyone moved on to the next activity. The teachers were pleasantly surprised how smoothly and effectively the whole operation went, and the children enjoyed the fact that we swore each group to secrecy about what they had been doing, so as to make it a surprise for the next group. Our delighted young visitors departed Warwick's farm with a yummy biscuit and their newly created colourful baskets and fond memories of their animal encounters. Other children's crafty events in the barn over the years have included classes in spinning, knitting, felting and kite making. I seriously have my doubts about knitting and felting sessions in particular, in view of the modern day kids and their sophistication. The visions I had of these kids monotonously knitting one and purling one for an hour or two was not, however, what Elaine had in mind. Prior to the event, she knitted up some small samples of colourful basic knitting and then incorporated them into bookmarks and diary covers, cards and so on. The youngsters, using the finished articles as their inspiration, eagerly learnt the basics of knitting and in quick time, with their tongues sticking out of the sides of their happy mouths, created their own version of the samples to take home to impress their families. It seems that a whole generation has been lost to traditional crafts like sewing and knitting. Many of the youngsters' grandmothers were good knitters, but very few of them, or very few of their mothers, so they informed us. A month or so later, Elaine and I were strolling around a shopping centre when a young lady of about eight years of age came rushing up to us, her mother being hurriedly dragged along by her arm, saying, That's a knitting lady, Mum! to Elaine's delight. The novice knitter had over the weeks become a reasonably accomplished knitter, according to her mother. It was a nice feeling knowing that her young life had been touched by a visit to Warwick's farm. Not much goes to waste on the farm, and that includes wool that may not make the cut to be spun into yarn. Such wool Elaine felts, especially with the help of eager young hands who loved the feel of the wet soapy wool as it gets flattened and rolled against their hands and the bamboo mats she uses. Once the wool has been felted, the real fun begins, and for beginners that usually entails it being rolled and fashioned into various sized balls. Often the wool that Elaine uses for felting with young people, she has dyed a variety of bright, funky colours, which adds a further dimension to the whole creative experience. Balls are always a popular plaything, and a bright yellow or purple ball that has a good weight and substance and has been crafted from wool from a sheep they have recently been introduced to, along with their newly learnt school of felting, makes for a memorable show and show and tell when the child gets home to their family. Longer felting workshops, usually involving the youngsters of families staying in the farm, include more involved but still simple procedures, as the felt is manipulated into jewellery, fluffy dice and various other interesting articles. Needle felting is simple, is a simple but very effective craft more suited to older children and adults due to the speedy manipulation of the needle which gives it that little edge. In fact that little pointy edge allowed me to add a red, little red dye to the process on my one and only ouchy attempt. 
This technique Elaine uses to enhance garments like sweaters and hats by working various coloured felted wool into the garment and building designs into them. A current theme is bright yellow sunflowers that really bring her creations to life. She also has fun needle felting, alpaca toys out of alpaca fibre and sheep toys out of wool. Over recent years Elaine has been experimenting with different blends of fibres and wool. A mix of 80% alpaca fibre with 20% merino makes for an excellent quality knitting yarn. The extra soft and warmth of the alpaca fibre strengthened by the super fine but more resilient sheep's wool. Many of our yarns are introduced to our visitors through the animals they have visited on the tour. For instance, we currently have a quantity of some most luxurious grey wool which is a blend of Hermione Agotland Pelt U and Earl, our up-and-coming grey state alpaca. Sorry Earl. Both animals, being quite friendly, would have made themselves known to our visitors as they pass by, and with this knowledge, our visitors look at the yarn with renewed interest and a greater understanding. Most herds of alpacas you see around the countryside will be predominantly white. This is because they are commercial herds whose fibre is processed every year. A white fibre can be dyed any colour in a consistent shade. We decided early on that we would go to the other extreme and breed the range of colours alpacas come in naturally from white to brown to fawn to grey and black, with all the shades in between, a total of 12 colours. This way we'll be able to showcase all the natural colours. Elaine would have the choice of these shades to mix and match with our flock of black and coloured sheep, white angora goats and white angora rabbit. Add to the mix some natural dyes, walnut, onion skin etc, and the occasional splash of orange, green and purple dyes, and Elaine has a wonderful palette of colour to work into her creations. It is fun pointing out to our visitors that the decoratively positioned ringlets of vibrant purple that they have been admiring, built into the cream-filtered wraps, are slivers of mohair that were actually supplied by Pino or Tracy, our Angora goats. And that concludes Chapter 17. Uh, just incidentally, um, Elaine had a, a bit of a, um, a thing she would do uh, demonstrating spinning occasionally, and that was using one of our... Um, white angora rabbits she would place it on a stool next to her <coughs> sitting on the by the spinning wheel and because the angora rabbit has such an immense amount of of fur on it she could grab a handful of it and put it through to the spinning wheel and spin direct from the animal direct from the rabbit which was an absolutely sensational thing to see didn't hurt the rabbit at all and uh, it was just sensational watching watching the uh, our visitors watching this uh, little, tiny little animal being spun directly into the spinning wheel. Well, thanks for listening once again. If you want uh, want any information on anything we've been discussing or um, want to book in for a tour or a holiday or just have a, have a stroll around Warwick's Farm website, please feel free to visit us on www.warwicksfarm.com. That's W-A-R-W-I-C-K-Z-F-A-R-M. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening.